Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. In John chapter 21, verse 15, So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know I love you. And he said to him, Feed my lambs. He said again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know I love you. And he said to him, Tend my sheep. Then he said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he answered him, Lord, you know all things. I know who you are, is what he's saying there. I'm the one that had the revelation that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You know all things. You know if I love you or not. And you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. And I want to talk to you for a few moments tonight about this amazing story because it's post-resurrection. Before I go into that, I, I want to say that I'm delighted tonight to have Bob Harrison on the front row, a great, great, great man of God and one that I so respect and so love his spirit. It's always an honor, Bob, to have you with us. He's going to come back and share sometime. He's an amazing teacher of the Word. But I want to talk to you tonight on the subject. I tried to come up with a better title, and this is about the best I could do. I'm preaching tonight on the man who meant well. I didn't say he always did well, but he meant well. He was not what you would call the epitome of perfection, but he meant well. And I'm going to show you that in Scripture. We all have our favorites in the Bible, and Simon Peter is probably, I guess, my favorite. Because he is forever showing us and teaching us by his life that mistakes don't have to be fatal. He's always failing forward. He failed over and over and over again, but he didn't fail and end up further away from God. When he failed, he failed forward because he understood something about God. I'm talking about the man to whom Jesus said, Upon this rock, you, I will build my church and the, the, the rock of revelation that God has given you and the gates of hell will not prevail in whatever you bind, Simon Peter, on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose will be loosed. And yet this same guy, a few days later, under pressure within 24 hours, crammed more sin, more failure, more mistakes in 24 hours leading up to the cross than we can imagine. He protested in pride when Jesus tried to wash his feet. He said, Lord, the others may deny you. This all happened within 24 hours, but I will never deny you. Never will I deny you. And within 24 hours, he denied Jesus three times. 
he went back to cussing. When the girl identified him as one of the followers of Jesus, the old guy, the old nature, whatever you want to call it, and he cussed her out. Not only that, but he fell asleep at the last prayer meeting Jesus ever had when Jesus was really counting on him. And if that were not enough, he had a temper tantrum in the Garden of Gethsemane and pulled his blade out and cut a guy's ear off. Can you imagine in a prayer place, a guy loses his temper and starts cutting the ear off of a high priest? All of this took place in 24 hours. Everything from cussing to running and fleeing finally from Jesus when the Roman soldiers came to arrest him. Anytime the devil tells you you're nobody from no place, headed nowhere, I want, to, I want you to remember the man who meant well. He always had a comeback spirit. And that's what I love about Simon Peter. He always had a comeback spirit. And this story is centered around the post-resurrection, meaning after the resurrection. He had gone back to his fishing job. He, he had decided that because of what I did the last 24 hours of Jesus' life, I failed him so miserably. I did everything you can imagine, almost in a sin an hour. And there's no way that God would ever use me. He'll never use me again. I'm such a failure. So he got his union card back and he went back in the fishing business. And he's out fishing all night and he caught nothing. And the Bible said he looks up from a distance out on his boat and he sees the silhouette early in the morning of a tall Galilean. And it was unmistakable because he had walked with him for the past three and a half years. And he instantly, even though it was a long distance off, recognized that Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified and put in the tomb, that is him standing on the beach beckoning me to come. And I love the comeback spirit of this guy. He took cussing all that in his life. He took his coat off dove into the water and swam for over a hundred yards and came out and looked in the face of Jesus because there was something in him that said, Lord, I still love you. There was always this, this impulse when Jesus was around, he had to get to him. That's why when on another occasion they were in a storm and all the other disciples were clinging to the safety and the comfort of the boat. But when he saw Jesus was walking on the water, it was only Simon Peter. He had this something in him, this impulse that if Jesus is around, I don't care what I've got to do to get to him. I've got to get to him. He meant well. He didn't always do well, but he really loved Jesus and he meant well. And, 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 that's when he stepped out of the boat and, and walked on the water because he had something in him that said, I've got to get close to Jesus. I'm saying that this same one who denied him three times is now coming up out of the water, washes up, and there's Jesus in his resurrected body He's cooked a meal of restoration. The Bible said Jesus cooked fish and bread and had a campfire and said, come eat breakfast with me. And he's looking in the face of the one that he denied. And the only question that Jesus had for him 
was, do you still love me? I love the fact that Jesus didn't say, why did you run? Why did you cuss? Why did you cut that guy? Why did you deny me three times? Jesus didn't ever bring up anything he did. He asked him one question. One thing mattered. It didn't matter what he had done. All that mattered to Jesus was after all you've done, do you still love me? Do you still have an ember of love still burning through all of your failure? All I want to know is do you still love me? And I don't know how many times you've ran. I don't know how many times you've failed. I don't know how many times you've tried and fallen off the wagon. But through it all, Jesus tonight still has one question. Do you still love me? Because if you still love me, I never stop loving you. He's not here to condemn you. Peter, I love him because he kept failing forward. It's better to fail with a high aim than it is to succeed with a low aim. I, Bob, I really think he meant well. I, I really thought about this this week. Even when he cut that guy's ear off, he meant well. He was trying to protect Jesus. I mean, that was his spirit. It wasn't the right action, but he meant well. When he cussed that girl out, he, you know, he, he, what, what was he doing there? The other disciples had ran. Why was he there? He was caring about Jesus and trying to get a glimpse of the one that they had arrested. And he was trying to get near him and warm in his hat, kind of disguised. And when the girl said, I know you, you and, and, and the old guy came back and he cussed her out. But he meant well. I'm not greasy on grace, but I want you to see how God looks at us. He knows the difference between a time when we fail. But the question is, do you still love him? You, you, some of you are looking at me partly cloudy, but Paul said such, such were some of you. Sometimes the devil whispers to me, you're not worthy. You ever had him tell you that? You're not worthy. You know what I tell him? Who is? I'll talk back out loud sometimes. Who is? You don't measure up. Who does? Even in your failure, you meant well. Caught up in a moment of temptation, the devil said you're finished. But Peter was a man who meant well. He didn't always do well, but he meant well. Now I want to contrast and show you the difference between Judas and Peter. They both failed. They both wept. Peter wept and was restored. Judas wept and was never restored. Why? Because the intentions and the sincerity in their prayers were different. Their spirits were different. Judas wept because he was mad at himself. Mad at God and mad that he got caught. Judas planned. He plotted. He got paid to do his sin for 30 pieces of silver. Do you know how long he sat around and planned that and had that in his spirit, had that in his heart? But Peter wept because he hadn't planned to deny Jesus. He said, I'll never deny you. A moment of weakness hit him and he messed up. And Jesus 
saw that. He sees the difference. The point is, as believers, we're not going to be perfect all the time. But if we, if we still love Him, His grace is enough. He did what he said he would never do, but it wasn't, it wasn't like he sat around planning all of that cussing and cutting and, and, and denying. He didn't plan any of it. And there's a difference. But look at, look at Judas because there's a difference. He's a deliberate sinner. I want to do what I want to do. I enjoy doing it. I'm getting paid, making money doing it. I know it's evil. I know it's wrong. And I don't care. I like it. It's not that I got caught up in the moment, had a moment of weakness and slipped and did, did something, said something, did something I shouldn't have done. I, I, it's not that at all. I like I doing it on purpose. He's a deliberate sinner. I'm plotting to do it. I plan to do it. There's a difference, folks. Between someone who commits adultery and an adulterer. Don't, 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 wait, 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 wait. Because this is going to be controversial. And I never have. I have one wife, so I'm not trying to preach something to cover something up. Just preaching truth right now. See, there's a difference between someone who commits adultery and an adulterer. What do you mean by that? A person makes a stupid choice. One episode, a dumb, crazy, there's no excuse for it. I'm not excusing it, but they mess up and they're broken and they're weeping and they're sorrowful. And oh God, I'll get out of it. I'll get away from it. I'll go to counsel. I'll do anything. Jesus, help me, help me, help me, help me. And the person who is an adulterer who just sleeps with anything on two legs. And as soon as he's out of the bed with another, he's got eyes of adultery or she has eyes of adultery. And it's just, it's nothing to that. There's a difference. Peter did it. But that wasn't what I planned to do. That wasn't what I started out to do. I'm talking about a man who meant well. And, and there is a difference. Why was he at Caiaphas' house? He wanted to be near Jesus. He meant well in going there. He meant well in being there. A pastor friend of mine counseled, counseled a, a, a man who messed up in, in his life. And he asked the man, he said, do you love Jesus? Don't you love Jesus? Why did you do that? Don't you love Jesus? He said, I never stopped loving him. Then this man wrote, deeper than the sin he was in was the grace he had enjoyed. And the grace finally overtook and eradicated that sin. It wasn't that he was... It wasn't how he was raised. It wasn't what he intended to do. What I'm preaching to you tonight is sin is mean. Sin will fascinate and then assassinate. Sin will thrill and then it kills. Sin is pretty and then it's pernicious. It promises much but it delivers little. Insensitivity to sin always leads to total insensitivity to God. 
The more insensitive you become to sin, it's a matter of time before you lose your tears. You don't cry anymore in God's presence. You lose your ears. You don't hear his voice anymore. And you lose your fear of God. You walk bolder and bolder in your iniquity and your sin. And insensitivity to sin always totally leads to insensitivity to God. But there is a difference between someone who messes up and someone who's planning, intending, and doing it and has nothing. Their conscience is seared with a hot iron and they don't care what God says. There's a difference. Now, I like to explain it like this. I might have told this here, but I don't care. You know, I could take a pig and, and put him up here on this stage and put a nice bow tie on him and or put a choir robe on him and, and put him up here on the stage beside me and he'd look real religious. But the thing about a pig is a pig has a pig nature. And as soon as he gets outside, if there was a mud spot, he would rip that robe and that bow tie off and slide right into the mud and roll around in it and say, I love this. This is what I like. This is who I am. And this is where I belong. Now, here's the difference. A sheep is totally different. A sheep has a sheep nature, and if it falls in the mud, it won't relax there. It won't enjoy it, and as soon as it gets in it, it wants out and says, This is not me. This is not who I am. I hate I fell in that, and please wash me and get me clean and let me be who I really am. I want to preach to somebody that... that, that that's how you know you're saved or not. If you can fall into sin and you feel comfortable, enjoy it, you're not born again. But if you've been born again, you may mess up. But the Bible said a righteous man falls seven times a day, but he gets back up and he runs to Jesus and he says, wash me and cleanse me. Somebody give God a praise if you believe in mercy, if you believe in grace. And there's a difference. A hidden sin on earth is a scandal in heaven, as Achan. Esau, the prodigal son, Naomi, they all made it back home, but they all left something in the land of sin. Their inheritance. Sin will cost you more than you want to pay. Sin will keep you longer than you want to stay. Jesus did not say to the woman taken in adultery, go and sin less. He said, go and sin no more. Jesus looked at Peter in Caiaphas' house. And to me, this is one of the most moving scenes in all of the Bible. The Bible said that while he was warming his hands by the fire in the courtyard, that the Roman soldiers had beaten Jesus. He was bleeding, he was bleeding, he was wounded, he was beaten, he was bruised. They had plucked his beard, they had shoved a crown of thorns on him, they had chained him, and they were taking him across the courtyard. And your Bible said that as the guards were escorting him across the courtyard, that Simon Peter looked and the Bible said that Jesus his eyes looked on him. Jesus' eyes connected with Peter. And your Bible said not a word was spoken. 
And when Peter, in all of his failure, looked and saw those eyes, those eyes melted his heart. Those eyes, suddenly, the, Bible, the next part of that verse says, and he turned and wept bitterly. He, it broke him when he looked into those precious eyes of Jesus, the blood trickling down over his eyebrows. And Jesus turns and eye to eye, Peter and Jesus see each other. And all, it never took a word. Jesus never spoke a word to him. He just looked at him. And when he looked at him, he broke and he wept and he sobbed. There's a difference between being overtaken in a fall and overtaken in a sin. And when he looked in those eyes, it melted his heart. And there's a difference. The eyes of Jesus hit him. And he wept. Peter's tears were his hope because they cleansed him. His sadness brought him hope. His brokenness, his weeping brought him a cleansing. Just as I am without one plea. But that thy blood was shed for me. Judas wept. But not in sorrow of his sin. Not because he had failed the Lord. He wept because he got caught. He wept because it didn't turn out like he thought. And when you get to heaven, Peter was so restored that one of the names in the twelve foundations of the city of the New Jerusalem will be Simon Peter because Jesus completely cleansed him and forgave him. He was the one that Jesus gave the microphone to on the day of Pentecost. I'm sure there were others more qualified, but Jesus said, the one that I want to stand up and preach is you. And he got up and said, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for this promise is unto you and unto your children and to many that are far off. And the church was born off of somebody who was a cusser, a cutter, a liar, a denier. Jesus so restored him that he gave him his ministry back. Perhaps the most touching part is when Jesus rose from the dead and some of the disciples and some of the women, including his mother and Mary, the other Mary, they came running to the tomb. And Jesus said, go tell my disciples to meet me in Galilee. And then he paused and he said, and tell Peter also. Tell him it's all forgotten. <laughs> Tell him it's all forgiven. Tell him I know what he meant. I, I know sometimes you poor humans, you mess up, you fall off the wagon, you do something you shouldn't have done, but I know what you meant. Tell him. Tell Peter. Only one he named. Tell Peter also. Because he might try to let his past disqualify him from his call. But you make sure you tell him he better be there. Take a praise break. Just, just take a praise break. I'm going to preach in a minute, but take a praise break. Oh, I love you, Jesus. It's all forgiven. It's all forgiven. And the Lord told me to tell somebody that Jesus is calling you by name. He wants to meet with you again, no matter what you've done. Jesus, when he, 
when he showed up, he didn't call him on the carpet. After all the stumbling and tumbling and foolishness and cussing and lying, all I want to know is one thing. Do you still love me? See, I'm going to throw this in. I believe Peter despised himself. Because when you hurt the ones that love you the most, you can turn it on yourself. He despised himself, and it's a dangerous thing to start despising yourself because of what you've done. Mark Rutherford wrote a book, and he said, If I could write one more beatitude, it would be, Blessed are they who heal us from self-despising. Of all services that can be done to man, I know of none more precious than to be healed of self-despising. Peter had wounded the one who loved him the most. And there was great remorse and pain. But it's one thing to be healed of hating other people and despising other people, but even a greater healing is when you can be healed of despising yourself because you weren't there for your children or you walked away or you did something regrettable and horrible and stupid and almost unforgivable. But God says, that's why I came to die on the cross because I love you. Here's some good news. If it's not on God's book, it shouldn't be on your book. And that's why this book says three times, God says in three different places, I will remember your sins no more. I will remember your sins no more. I will remember your sins no more. If God's forgotten it, why are you tormenting yourself by reminding yourself over and over and over of what he knew what you meant? <laughs> I was telling somebody in between services this morning that I said, even when I was lost and I was trying to be a good sinner and I would drink or I would do something I shouldn't do, under my breath I can remember parties where I had drunk a whole six-pack. But under my breath, honest to God... I was saying, Lord, I love you. I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't know why I'm doing this. This is stupid. I don't belong here. I don't belong here. I, don't, I know. And I can remember having those thoughts. The man who meant well. And the, and the thought hit me. I've never been a Judas. Hallelujah. I've always been a Simon Peter. You know, that if I failed, something in me made me fall forward. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. The Lord told me to tell you that you're not a Judas. What you did was not malicious. You've been sorry ever since. That's the proof that grace is at work. Jesus didn't say to him, you're not worthy to touch the food. Jesus said, if you love me, do what I called you to do and feed the sheep. The apostle of weakness and denial became the apostle of boldness and faith. You know what you do? 
You fail your way to success. You get knocked down, what do you do? You get back up and fall toward Jesus. Get knocked down, you get back up and you fall toward Jesus. There's hope for the man who'll come stumbling back, who hates his sin. David sinned and he picked up the pen and with the, with the ink of his failure, he wrote these words, I love the Lord. He heard my cry and pitied every groan. Long as I live and my troubles arise, I will hasten to his throne. He said, take not your Holy Spirit from me. Don't ever quit dealing with me. Hebrews 4 and 12 said that the word of God discerns the difference. Listen carefully. I'm almost done, but listen carefully. The word of God discerns the difference between our thoughts and our intentions. The devil will give you a terrible thought, but God can discern between a bad thought and your intentions. The next time the devil gives you a bad thought, you ought to say, thank you, Mr. Devil, for reminding me of something I have no intention of doing. I feel victory in this house right now. I feel something rising up in my... I know it's Palm Sunday and the Pharisee spirit says stay calm. But if you don't praise him, the rocks are going to cry out. Because God has done a mighty work in your life. Grace is working in your life. Why do you scream, Jensen? Why do you scream? I could bring my sophisticated friends if you wouldn't scream. Pardon the noise. It's the sound of freedom. Hallelujah. On a Sunday night, I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm gloriously saved. And I wouldn't take all the money in the world for what I feel down in my soul. Woo. Hallelujah. I'm going to heaven. These shoes are going to walk on streets of gold. Hallelujah. I'm going to live forever. Mm. Tell me to be quiet. Hallelujah. The man who meant well wrote two books in the Bible. I close with this. He wrote two books, first and second Peter. And he had more to say than any other author on one subject, humility. Wonder where he learned that from. Wonder if he failed just when he thought he was mighty and strong and powerful and anointed, then he'd fall again. And he'd remember those eyes. those eyes and it would humble him and so he gave us the words humble yourself before the mighty hand of God and in due season he will exalt you he gave us the words he gives grace 
to the humble. But the proud, he resists. He dipped into the ink of his own failure. And he wrote things that, that all of us sitting here tonight, regardless of how holy we like to act, that it thrills me to know that on the days I'm really, really good, he loves me. But on the days when I fall short, I didn't intend on it. I don't know what happened. But I can be a man and you can be a woman who meant well. Maybe you got an issue. I know when one of our daughters was lost, she was so lost. But she always meant well. God would never let her go when those eyes found her one day. She's in full-time ministry. You may be here tonight and you're wrestling with homosexuality. We're not here to throw a stone at you. We're here to tell you that there's a Savior who's not here to talk about your past. He's asking you one question. Do you still love me? Because if you'll come to me, if you'll lean into me, if you'll fall and fail forward toward me, Every time you do, I'll give you more grace and more strength. And you'll look back in things that used to beset you so easily. You'll be walking over the top of them. And you won't even hardly recognize the victories and the change that has come through the power of the cross. One hymn said, there is no friend like the lovely Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are blessed.